It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Certainly did late last night. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on Sirius XM Channel 80, as well as the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Right now, we go out west. We welcome in Nick Wagoner, ESPN's 49ers reporter from NFL Nation, joining us right now. Nick, it's Chris Carlin, Chris Canty. We appreciate it. First of all, your evaluation and level of surprise, I would also ask, uh, on the deal late last night. Yeah, Chris, I wasn't totally surprised by the deal happening. There was plenty of signs pointing to it being a possibility once Christian McCaffrey became available. And the other thing is, is there are some deep ties here to the 49ers between the McCaffrey family and the Shanahan family and even general manager John Lynch. So uh, back in 2017, I know Kyle Shanahan was very high on Christian McCaffrey, was interested in drafting him. They had the number two pick, and I think they felt like that was going to be a little bit rich, so they were going to need to move back more than they did. They ended up moving to number three and didn't do it, but they have kept uh, kept tabs on him. He goes way back with the McCaffrey family through his father, Ed, who played for Mike Shanahan in Denver. And John Lynch, the general manager of the Niners, even at one point was a quarterback at Stanford throwing passes to a young Ed McCaffrey uh, when they were both there playing for the Cardinals. So there are a lot of deep ties here. Not terribly surprising that they got the deal done. Maybe a little bit surprising on the price. I think it was a high price to pay for a guy who's missed 23 games over the last two years um, and has a significant contract playing that position. But the 49ers know that they needed to jumpstart their offense and they view Christian McCaffrey as the guy to do it. And Nick, my biggest question centers around the urgency that's reflected in the price they paid for Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. because it seems like McCaffrey is a piece that on its face is a little bit redundant in their offense. They have a lot of versatility in guys like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Kyle Juszczyk, and George Kittle. So my question is how do they plan to utilize Christian McCaffrey knowing that there's only one football on the field at, at one time? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a great point, and I think that the idea is is that Kyle Shanahan can just look for the biggest mismatch every single week, and so it's going to be very kind of game plan dependent on how they deploy Christian McCaffrey. But the one thing I'll point to, Chris, is looking at this, the 49ers have lacked this year the explosive element that they used to have in terms of their running backs, and that's not a knock on Debo Samuel. He's just not a full-time running back, and they want to uh, lighten his load a little bit in terms of having to do that, but when they had Raheem Mostert, which was in 2019, and he was healthy and he was at his best. Everyone remembers that NFC Championship game where he ran all over the Packers for four touchdowns. Uh, That type of speed, that electricity that they don't have in the backfield. And I think the Niners view this as there are are times when they have runs that might break out for 15 to 20 yards, but it should go for 60 and a touchdown. And I think they view Christian McCaffrey as the guy who can kind of help add to that. And the other thing is, is they've only targeted their running backs this year, and this is including Kyle Juszczyk. 24 times, which I think is like the number 26 in the league or something like that. They've been successful when they've done it, um, but they haven't done it a lot. And I think this gives them an opportunity to to do more in that term, uh, in that situation, get the ball to Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield through the air and then let him do what he does after the catch. And that's what this whole team is built on, guys. I always say the 49ers are under Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, sacks and yak. And that is Mm -hmm. the foundation of this team. And this is another guy 
who adds to that. Nick Wagoner, ESPN Nation, uh, ESPN NFL Nation, 49ers reporter. Nick, just a last quick one for me. Is this it? Do they feel like this was the piece that they needed? And because they did pay such a hefty price for it, would it preclude yeah. them from doing anything else? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough because they don't have a first-round pick either, which is already traded yep. away for Trey Lance. That doesn't that doesn't mean there's not other picks in the cash for the future. But, yeah, I, I don't think that there's anything else that's imminent. And the other thing, guys, is is they've been so injured, it's not like they can afford to deal from depth right now uh, to gain a, another pick or to gain another player or whatever. So uh, I would say this is going to be the one big swing that they take, at least before this trade deadline. And, and you're right. It, it is absolutely a swing for the fences. They feel like they're in their championship window. They feel like they have an elite defense and they feel like in 2019 they wasted an elite defense because their offense couldn't quite get the job done in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. And so their hope is that Christian McCaffrey can be the guy that pushes them over the edge. But I also say that knowing that he is under contract beyond this year, I just asked John Lynch, the general manager, a few minutes ago um, if he views this as a long-term relationship. He says, yes, that they didn't view this as a rental, but there may have to be some things they do in terms of his contract uh, to lower his number, but maybe give him some guarantees because he doesn't have any uh, moving forward. But this is a, this is definitely an all-in move, especially for this year. It'll probably be a longer relationship than that, um, but it is definitely focused on over the next few months. Appreciate it, Nick. Thanks. You got it, guys. Take care. Nick Wagoner, who covers the 49ers for ESPN NFL Nation. There are a couple of things that come to mind here right away. Uh, number one is, I, as much as you t- touched on it being a redundant move, there's no arguing that he's going to help if he is healthy. Mm. But that is where I just can't get over the price that they paid. And that's why it feels a little bit desperate. It feels desperate that they felt like they needed him. And it felt desperate that they felt like they needed to keep him away from the Rams who were in the mix here, too. Well, I think Nick brought up a good point. There's relationship ties between the Shanahan family and the McCaffrey family, also with John Lynch, knowing that he played for Mike Shanahan in Denver. So that's a part of it. Oh, okay, but it doesn't take away from the injuries of the last couple weeks. Well, it doesn't take away from the injuries, but I think it matters in terms of providing context as to why they felt comfortable paying that price and why they feel confident in the player that they're getting in return. You know, the Christian McCaffrey over the last two years is not the guy that they're expecting to show up in the Bay Area. They want to see more of the guy that starred in the Bay Area when he was playing for the Stanford Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And I think there's the potential to get back to that because of all of the weapons that are around him. Think about the space that Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk are going to create for Christian McCaffrey. Space he didn't have when he was with the Carolina Panthers. So I do think there's an opportunity for Christian McCaffrey to be the ultimate satellite running back, get the ball in space, make make a guy miss, and create a big play for that offense. And they don't have that type of dynamic running back right now. Elijah Mitchell is on the shelf for another month. So this is something that fit a need. As I mentioned before, when it comes to yards after contact per rush attempt, there are only nine teams that have a lower number than the San Francisco 49ers. And that's just not how Kyle Shanahan offenses operate, period. It's not how his dad's offense operated. they got to have a running back that once you get him past the line of scrimmage can make some special things happen. Christian McCaffrey has that potential. The only thing that remains to be seen is can the guy stay healthy. There's one other thing here that we have not accounted for, and that is that George Kittle, since being back from the injury, has not been the same player that he was before. I'm not saying he won't be in a couple of weeks, but so far he has not done anything that would 
indicate we've seen, we're going to see the same explosive tight end that we saw before the injury. No, and he might not be the same explosive tight end, but here's the problem with George Kittle. He's a matchup nightmare in terms of the personnel grouping that opposing defenses have to march out there. He's such a good blocker in the run game, Carlin. Yeah. And we know the Shanahan offense, it's inside zone, outside zone, and he's great at being able to capture the edge against outside linebackers and safeties. And that's only going to help in terms of boosting that run game. So even if he can't be the threat in the vertical passing game, it's hard for opposing defenses to account for him because if you run base personnel, then he's matched up in the passing game against the linebacker. If you run nickel personnel, then he's going to run that little DB all the way back to the safety in the run game as a blocker. So that's the versatility that I'm talking about. And Christian McCaffrey is just going to add to that group. So Dak Prescott is back this week for the Cowboys. No injury designation whatsoever today for Dak. So he is in line to start against Detroit. Cowboys are heavy favorites. Is this a tricky spot for Dallas against the Lions? We're going to tell you next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Dak is back. Canty and Carlin. ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. So Dak Prescott returns for the Cowboys this weekend. As we said uh, just a few moments ago, no injury designation whatsoever. And with Dak returning, the Detroit Lions coming off what was just, frankly, an embarrassing performance. Yeah, they got beat to sleep. They really did. And as you said... At one point, uh, started letting go of the rope a little bit. Mm-hmm. Shut out, shut out in the game. Dan Campbell going up against his former team. I'm kind of wondering if this is one of those be careful here spots for the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I I thought the same thing because the team had an extra week to prepare against you and be able to see the things that you do well. And I don't expect that the Cowboys are going to deviate a lot of from what they've done with their offensive systems under Cooper Rush, just because you can't ask Dak to win the game for you in his first time playing competitive football in over a month. So I think it'll be pretty vanilla from that standpoint. It'll be more of the same in terms of what they've done from a personnel grouping standpoint, from a play-calling standpoint. Um, But I will say the Dallas Cowboys defensive front in that pass rush in particular 
they've made opposing quarterbacks really uncomfortable. I mean, there were moments in Sunday Night Football where they made Jalen Hurts uncomfortable. I would look to see that group do the same thing against Jared Goff, and Goff is one of those guys we know will throw it to you if you put him under duress. Yeah. So that's why I do think this is a spot where the Cowboys have to be careful, but ultimately the Cowboys are a better team than the Lions, and that wins out. Chris, you know what this is? It's a perfect spot to implement the strategy with which you have been playing for the last several weeks offensively with Cooper Rush, mm-hmm. with Dak Prescott. It is. It's, it's one of those situations where you can take it and comfortably let him adapt to playing a new way against, let's just call it what it is, they're an inferior team. I think, and, and I, I understand that we all got pumped up by what we saw during hard knocks, and you want to root for Dan Campbell. It's so easy to do that. I think we did lose sight of the fact that the Lions are still not a very good team. And this should, be, when you look at what they've done defensively, I mean, jeez, they're, they're getting run over at times. Yeah. So this should be a game where I'll, I'll put a number on it and you tell me if it's a fair number for Dak to throw the football. 23 times. That's about right. Yeah. That's I don't want right. him throwing the ball more than 30 times in this game. Yeah. Because that means something has gone wrong. But also, it would go a long way toward not convincing, but really bringing Dak along in that new mentality of where they're going to be better served offensively. Being conservative is not the word, but it's just more judicious, which is basically the same as saying conservative. (laughs) Uh, You know, just not having to chuck it all over the lot to win the game. Yeah, I, I don't think they will. I, I think the Dallas Cowboys understand who they are and they understand who they're not. And it's going to have to be a run-first outfit. We know that they're going to have multiple tight ends on the field a lot of the time, and I think that creates a little bit of an issue for opposing defenses in terms of how you're going to match up against that, right? Are you going to pay base against multiple tight ends? If so, they're going to be favorable matchups in the passing game. If you're going to play nickel against that type of offense, then they're going to be light boxes for the run game. So I think you can you can create this chess match and mix and match some of the skill position pieces that you have to protect Dak Prescott and not ask him to do so much while being able to lean into what the strengths of this team are, which are the run game and the defense. And those two things complement each other. So, again, I think it has to be run-centric on offense. I, I would lean toward giving Tony Pollard the lion's share of the carries as opposed to Zeke at this point because he seems to be the more explosive of the two backs mm-hmm. and then allow your defense to do what they do best, which is create extra possessions and field position. They can do that against the Detroit Lions. Now, with the Cowboys where they are at 4-2, and two, Jerry really has not had a whole lot to complain about. Mm-mm. But in one of his uh, 18 radio shows that he does, per- I mean, honestly, like Jerry, is he just answering the phone and saying, yeah, let's go. Is that it? Yeah, or, it feels know, like it. Is he, is, is he, are they cutting right through the secretary and getting right to him? It feels I mean, like it. It feels that way because he was on the 105.3 The Fan again. That's like twice this week. And he was asked about Mike McCarthy not reviewing the spot the other night and kind of feels like he couldn't wait to chime in. Just a mistake. And, uh, uh, you know, you you have a game – uh, you're going to have some mistakes. You're going to have some goals you'd like to have back. Uh, and uh, we, uh, the minute we saw it and saw that he had made it, uh, then uh, you obviously knew it was a mistake not to uh, have it reviewed. And uh, 
uh, how we do that in the box, uh, uh, who, who we've got doing it, those kinds of things. Uh, uh, that's why you, uh, that's why you uh, look back and take these games, take what happened in the game, and get better at it and improve on it. And uh, uh, we need uh, we we need to look at that and say, let's don't do that again. Here's what I just heard: Jerry's <laughs> going into the coach's box and throwing on a headset. That's what I just heard. Listen, Jerry. Jerry We're reconfiguring this whole thing. Jerry doesn't <laughs> shy away from letting his feelings be known about what the organization needs to be better, what the coaching staff and the players need to be doing better. And in that moment on Sunday Night Football, I thought the same thing, Carlin. I mean, that was a consequential yes. moment in terms of the Cowboys being able to mount a comeback. And I thought that CeeDee Lamb stretched the ball across the yard to gain. And, and it was a situation where Mike McCarthy didn't challenge it. And I was like, that's a missed opportunity to be able to pick up another first down and allow your offense to to move the ball down the field and put together a scoring drive. So those are chances that you can't let go of. And, Carlin, in the back of my mind, there's this little voice that's saying, well, if Mike McCarthy isn't recognizing those moments, then what is his true value to the Dallas Cowboys? Whipping boy. Well, I mean, at times, in a respectful way, I mean that if that's possible. There's that, but he's not calling the offense. He's not calling the defense. He's not in charge of the special team, so what the hell is he doing? But, but Chris, this is my biggest problem with Jerry over the last several years. The only times that they have truly been successful enough is when he's not running the show, is when he's letting somebody else come in and run the show. And that's a problem. And so he hasn't, I will always contend that Jason Garrett kept his job as long as he did because he did whatever Jerry wanted. Mm. And now Mike McCarthy has become that guy. He will do whatever Jerry wants. And part of that is to be the guy he can blame publicly when something goes wrong or when something's not done right. And that's exactly what that is. It almost feels to me when I hear Jerry that he he couldn't wait to be able to say something negative about the coach. Because it's what he does. Well, that's fine. But I will say this. When it comes to Dak Prescott and him stepping back on the football field, if this doesn't go the way Jerry wants it to go, you can't use Mike McCarthy as the whipping board. No. Because this is an organizational decision on terms of when you're going to insert Dak Prescott back in the starting lineup because Cooper Rush, your backup, went 4-1. and So this is on everybody if this thing doesn't go the way you want it to on Sunday. And here's the thing, Carlin. Let's not discount this Lions team. I mean, this is a a group that has some pride, even though their record doesn't reflect it. They got fight in them. And I got to imagine after being embarrassed two weeks ago by Bailey Zappi and the New England Patriots that they're going to come out with a little bit of spice on Sunday. Hope the Cowboys are ready for it. This is going to be an interesting game. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Up next... Are the Yankees even capable of getting back into this series? Or is it a foregone conclusion that the Astros are headed for the World Series again? Plus, the Phillies and the Padres is very intriguing in case you're not paying a a whole lot of attention to it. Why you should be. Buster Olney joins us next. Right after this word from our friends at Vivid Seats. Now, football season is heating up to say the least. And nothing beats seeing your favorite team live not only does vivid seats have great nfl ticket prices they're also the official ticketing partner of espn and with vivid seats rewards when you buy 10 tickets you get the 11th free download the app 
Visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. Receive a reward credit equal to the average price of the 10 tickets purchased, excluding taxes, fees, and processing costs. See VividSeats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? It has not been pretty for the Yankees so far. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app presented by Progressive Insurance. We turn to Buster Olney, our ESPN MLB insider, who joins us right now, senior writer as well. Buster, it's Chris and Chris. We appreciate it as always. So exactly what is it that has had the Yankees find themselves in this position yet again where they strike out a ton and they have seemingly not changed the strategy of constructing a team over the last several years? Well, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, what's going on in this series is, uh, you know, I mean, you have to say there are two reasons. One uh, is, and you have to give credit to the Astros. They are in the postseason what they were during the regular season, the best pitching team in the American League. They had a two nine zero ERA, which is almost a half run better than the next closest team. And they're pitching lights out. Um, you know, Justin Verlander, after that slow start, bounced back. He threw great. Framber Valdez, uh, you know, 25 swings and misses, which is insane in one start. That's Randy Johnson level. Uh, and they have, among the 70 hitters they've faced in these first two games, they've struck out 30. That's 42.9%. That's as if their entire pitching staff to this point is Jacob deGrom. Okay, that's how good they've been in this series. But I think on the flip side, on the Yankees side, um, the, the, between a, you know, the, a lineup that it has slumping veterans and these young players that they're injecting into this, into, into this big spot uh, in this uh, you know, late in the year, it, it's a mess. There's no doubt about it. And it feels like when Garrett Cole takes the mound for game three, he's not going to have much margin for error. And you're talking about someone who's given up a home run in each of his last nine postseason appearances. He's got to keep the ball in the ballpark, uh, I think, to win. Because it certainly felt last night, like when Alex Bregman hit that three-run homer, you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, that game's over. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly how it felt as a Yankees fan, Buster. And even though Aaron Judge came close in the eighth inning, it was just one of those situations that 
Yankees fans are reminded we always come up just a little bit short in Minute Maid Park. But now as the series shifts back to the Bronx, you mentioned it, huge start for Garrett Cole. But how consequential is this game in the series overall for Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman? I don't think it's consequential at all in terms of them winning or, you know, maintaining their jobs. Um, certainly, uh, if George Steinbrenner was the owner, it would be. There would be people fired. There would be heads rolling. Um, I just don't think that's how Hal Steinbrenner works. And I think that, you know, he'll look at the big picture as he has in recent years and say, we won 99 games. We put ourselves in a position where we're in the playoffs. We felt like we had a good team and, uh, you know, stuff happened. Um, I, I do you know, wonder uh, when they do their postseason or, you know, offseason evaluations, if they'll look at uh, the acquisition of Josh Donaldson as being one that wound up really hurting them because Donaldson offensively, they need production out of that spot. They need somebody to come in and, and do well, and now they're, they're stuck with him for next year. Buster Olney, ESPN, MLB Insider, senior writer as well, joining us. Um, Buster, when you look at the Padres-Phillies series right now through the first two games, what stands out to you? That there's so much postseason experience between these two teams, right? Uh, where it just feels like, you know, whether you're talking about a Kyle Schwarber or a Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, uh, even Juan Soto at a young age, they've been here for so long that there's a real comfort level with these two teams on this stage. We had the the Padres uh, in that wild card round, uh, you know, with our broadcast team and just being around those guys, it felt like that they had a run like this in them. Uh, and the Phillies are the same way, you know, and you give Dave Dombrowski, the Phillies uh, head of baseball operations credit for uh, patching the holes that they had, which was at, in, on defense at shortstop and center field along the way. And, you know, Bryce Harper has gotten hot in the postseason. Kyle Schwarber's a streaky guy. He hits that monster home run the other day. Uh, to me, this is a coin flip series going forward, unlike the, the other series where you feel like it'd be a miracle if the Yankees were to actually take the series out of the Bronx. Yeah, somewhere Buck Showalter is probably telling the umpires to check Joe Musgrove's ear for some red hot. But, uh, <laughs> Buster, looking at game three in particular, what, what do you make of the pitching matchup and what do you, you suspect – happens in terms of who ends up being able to take game three. We know how big game three is in the LCS series with the winner of game three going on to win the series 69% of the time. So what do you anticipate happening as the series shifts back to Philadelphia? Yeah, I think the big question is whether or not Suarez can throw strikes. Um, We've seen him uh, earlier in the postseason seemingly get overwhelmed by the moment. You can always tell with pitchers when they start to leave arm side fastballs, you know, high. Uh, and they have a run on it. And that's what happened to Suarez in his first start uh, in this postseason. And on the other hand, I think Musgrove is just a different pitcher than what the Phillies saw earlier this year. They beat him up on June 23rd, six runs in six innings, actually had a couple of you know big hits, uh, home runs off his breaking stuff. But in the last five starts, think about these numbers with, with Musgrove. When he's gotten to 2 counts, guys, opponents are hitting 092. So if you're the Phillies tonight, what you're going to have to do is hunt fastballs early. You can't get to a two-strike count because his breaking stuff is just too good. You know, that night that uh, he was checked for sticky stuff by the Mets, there were veterans coming back to the lineup and saying to, you know, Buck Showalter and the coaching staff, I've never seen a ball move like that. Now, uh, you know, the, the, the Mets might believe that it's sticky stuff. 
Uh, I think the Padres will say that it's because Joe Musgrove was amped in a postseason series and he's throwing at a higher velocity than ever, but he is significant. So tonight I think the advantage goes to the Padres. Buster, last one for me, and that is a little under the radar today. Texas Rangers hire Bruce Bochy to manage. Surprised that he's back? Well, no, I'm not. You know, I've known him forever. He was a third-base coach with the Padres when I started covering with him. I, I, I played in a rec league basketball with him. He actually has, uh, if you look at him, you think he's an inside guy. He actually has a nice 12- to 15-foot jump shot. <laughs> he wanted me to He's wanted Did the me Lakers to reach out that. to him? <laughs> <laughs> over, right, over yeah. and over and over. He's like, just keep talking about that. You know, people don't know that's part of my game. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, you know, he's told me in recent years, yeah, he definitely wants to manage. I think that uh, it, when he left the Giants, it was a polite, uh, you know, parting of ways. But all along, he's had the passion to, manager, uh, to manage. And we've seen this year with Bob Melvin and Buck Showalter, you know, the impact of Terry Francona. Older managers, there's not – you just can't eliminate people because of their age. If they can relate to players – uh, and they can lead a clubhouse and convince players to do things, I think it's perfect. I think it's a great hire. And by the way, I do wonder if the Rangers now, now that you hire Bruce Bochy, future Hall of Fame manager, maybe the next thing you do is to, to bolster his pitching staff. And I'd say right now, I'd install the Mets as the, uh, excuse me, the Rangers as the favorites to get Jacob DeGrom. Now that the, wow. Mets, the Braves have signed Charlie Morton, um, I think the Rangers are going to be big in play and free agency this winter, and maybe that's where Jacob winds up. As a Rangers fan, it's kind of awesome, and it scares the daylights out of me at the same time. Right, <laughs> Buster, appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Buster, only ESPN MLB inside. I almost asked him about Dan's at it again. Orlovsky. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask Buster about it. We're a little short on time, and that's why I'll hold off. But Dan's at it again, and we have to have a talk because. An intervention, so to speak. It's very frustrating with Dan sometimes. It's as if he doesn't learn. Mm. And he has done it again, and we will tell you what we mean in just moments. Speaking of the Lakers, as we said, they could use Bruce Bochy from the outside because Russ was 0 for 11 from the floor, 0 for 6 from 3 last night. Did you catch the game? Catch yes, I did watch you, it. You did see it. Okay. Unfortunately, yes. Yes, okay. He did think, though, that it was a solid game on his part. Mm. We'll break that down next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Dan Carlin, ESPN Radio. I'm just, 
I'm annoyed with Dan Orlovsky. You're, you're annoyed with him. <laughs> so Dan, it's got to be, be a food take. It is it, a food it's take. It's got to be a food take. It is, okay. it is a food take. All right. I thought we had gotten past this, but apparently not. Dan, mm. earlier today, tweets out the following in relation to Halloween candy. Uh, called Reese's Peanut Butter Cups the most overrated candy ever, most overgiven for Halloween. So what is it then, Dan? Bit of honey? Well, honestly, what's your game, man? What's your what's the, what's the end game here for you, Dan? He must be a junior mints guy. Oh my. I, have, I have no idea. It doesn't make sense. What Reese, are you, like good and plenty? No, Reese's is, is, is magically delicious. It, it's it's it, amazing. It, it's, if how, is it, how can it be overgiven? Chris, in these times of division, there's one thing that America can agree on, and it's Reese's peanut butter cups. Peanut butter and chocolate. Great combination. That's it. It's not that complicated. I know people with peanut allergies that would eat them anyway. Yeah. And my, Dan, wife, my wife being one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, it, it, he is just trolling us at this point. That's what it is. Yeah, but we have to know we can't trust Dan Olofsky's food takes, right? I mean, this I, is a guy that wants ketchup with macaroni and cheese, for God's sake. But sakes. why do I get so annoyed by this when I know all of this, yet when I see it, it angers me? You know what? It, it's starting to get to the point where you're the problem, not Orlovsky. Because we should expect this. His food takes are trash. They're garbage juice. So why are we becoming infuriated by Dan continuing to try to get, I don't know, retweets or likes or whatever by coming out with these outlandish takes on what food is good? It you doesn't know, make sense. I, I mean, he is so ratioed here. He's got 4,000 responses on this tweet and 3,400 likes. He's stirring the pot. He's stirring the pot. Yes. Pun, pun intended. There's no way that he believes Reese's is is overrated or overgiven. It's ridiculous. There's no, there's no kid that goes trick-or-treating and says, hey, I don't want the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. There's no nobody, kid that does that. Nobody. Nobody trades away Reese's Peanut Butter Cups when they sort out and they're making deals with their friends. You don't trade them away. Yeah, I don't know if it's a top You hunt out your friends with peanut allergies. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's a top five Halloween candy, but it's pretty oh, it's damn good. Five. Is it top five? Oh, yeah. I okay. mean, you got, you got Snickers. The Snickers. Milky Way in there Milky for Milky Way for there, Milky yeah. Way's in yeah. there. The Butterfinger, highly overrated. Butterfinger. Highly underrated. Highly Excuse underrated. Highly I would agree underrated. with that. Yeah. People don't like that crunch, though. That's a I different kind the, of crunch. I love the crunch. See, you I and me, love the crunch. we're right on that same no page doubt. there. No doubt. Uh, Kit Kats right there. Yeah, Kit Kats, Skittles, whatever, you know, Starburst, <laughs> you know. There are a lot of good candies, but Reese's is among them. If there was a way for me to mute his candy takes, I would. I, I am worried about you a little bit because it is a bad situation with your baseball team right now. The Yankees are down two games to none, and we just had Buster on a few minutes ago, and he says it feels like it is almost going to be a miracle if they get out of the Bronx again. Wow. And, and I mean, that's strong. That's strong. That's, that's him saying that the Astros are going to take two or three in Yankee Stadium. And. If you're at Garrett Cole, you're in a no-win here. You better go out and throw goose eggs at them. Well, he's got to win. He's got to win. This is why you pay Garrett Cole $324 million. It ain't for regular season strikeouts, no. and that's great that he set the Yankee record for single season strikeouts. Who cares? Nobody, that doesn't matter. That's yeah. not why they paid you the money. They paid you the money to come up aces, pun intended, in this type of situation. Stop the bleeding. They say momentum is next day starting pitcher in baseball. Well, here's your opportunity, Garrett Cole. Saturday night, you got to go out there and prove it. There's no question about it. Well, I'm, I, I was worried about you with that a little bit, and I'm worried about you with the Lakers because <sighs> the Lakers, it, it's going to be a long, 
Yeah. Long year. They lost last night to the Clippers. Kawhi came back, came off the bench, 14 points. And Russ is just going to Russ it up. That's what he's going to do. Russ it up. He is Russ it away. That's what he's doing. 0 for 11 from the floor. 0 for 6 from 3. Yeah. That is the second most field goal attempts without a make uh, in a career in his career. Yeah. He was 0 for 13 11 years ago against Memphis. And he is the first Lakers player to go 0 for 11 or worse in a game since Daryl Imhoff in 1965 against the Cincinnati Royals. Yeah, that's not great, Bob. Oh, my God. That's not great. So, what's Russ's evaluation of the game? How about you personally? How would you assess your game tonight? Um, solid. Yeah, solid. Um, played hard. That's all you can ask for. Um, going to the next one. You want to okay. handle this? I don't. I don't know what you want me to say, Carlin. My team is bad. I, I mean, they can defend. Okay, that's all well and good. But they got out rebounded by twenty boards against the L.A. Clippers. Twenty boards, fifty-eight to thirty-eight on the glass. How was that acceptable? Like, I get it. Your defense gave you a chance. They defend. And LeBron said as much. But they can't shoot, and they're getting killed on the boards. You're not going to win a lot of games in the NBA when you're doing that. And oh, by the way. Let's be honest. The Clippers spotted the Lakers a lot of those points, right? Because like the Lakers generated 22 turnovers. That's great. 21 points off of those turnovers, okay? So that's where a lot of their offense came from. But when you're having to rely on Lonnie Walker to drop 26 in order for your team to be competitive offensively, that becomes a problem. When you have to hold your breath because you're afraid that Anthony Davis is not going to be able to bounce back after taking a nasty spill and going for the pump fake on Kawhi Leonard, there's a problem. Yeah. This this team's roster construction is an issue. They don't they didn't build it like you should build a team around LeBron James. Everybody knows LeBron is the de facto point guard and you need to surround him with shooters and you need to have a big that can space the floor and shoot so LeBron can drive the ball in the paint and kick. That's what you do with the LeBron James led offense. Problem is they ain't got no damn shooters. So no. how 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 is this going to work? They were 9 for 45 from three-point land last night. It's not going to be good this year. It's going to be more of the same until they do something to get rid of Russell Westbrook. And the only problem that I have with the something that's there to be done is that you're talking about mortgaging even more of your future for the here and now. And I'm not sure that the move that's out there to be made is going to guarantee the Lakers an opportunity to compete for a championship now. Again, I asked the question, why not just send him home? Because Russ is clearly looking for the paid vacation right now. You can't tell me that after an 0 for 11 from the floor game with two points and post game, he says, ask the question, how would you assess your game? Solid. Solid. Really good. Yeah. I'm right there. Like, what are we doing? He's trying to make this happen. He is like, all he needs to do now is break into the cases, grab the Lakers championship trophies, and drag them all over the parking lot. He's trying to get fired. But we're going to find out whether or not the Lakers got a head coach in Darvin Ham. Because in order to keep this from being even more toxic than it already is, you're going to have to have a strong head coach to set the agenda for the team and for the locker room. LeBron James is going to go a long ways to doing that. But Darvin Ham is the one that's going to have to create the boundaries and ultimately be the authority figure that's going to have to tell Russ to where to where to stick those comments. And I want to be clear about one thing with this: telling Russ to stay home 
will not change the dynamic of what the Lakers' season is going to be. No. They're not going to be very good this year. They're a play-in team at best. At, at, at best. All this does is just get the headache of his constant dumb comments and bad play out of the way. Nobody is taking him without the draft picks. You don't want to give up the draft picks. Suck it up for a year. And I know LeBron doesn't want to hear that at this age. I know he doesn't. Well, LeBron is the reason why they're in this situation. Exactly. He's the reason why they have Russ and not DeMar DeRozan. You put DeRozan. us here, dude. you got to live in this. Yeah. That's my problem right now. Well, here's the thing. Even if they make the deal that's on the table for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, what, is, what does that make the Lakers? The six or seven seed in the West? I, I think it. I think it's still pushing it to be the six seed. Well, that's that's my point. Yeah. You're not a championship contender There's even no if you get those players. Trade. So what's the point in doing that? The, the, you have just, more options when you get to the off season after this year. But you know it's not going to feel good for Lakers fans, and I know how the Buzz family and Rob Palenka and all of the brain trust with the Lakers feel about it. You don't want to give away seasons with LeBron James because we recognize he's in the twilight of his career, but. That's the reality of what this team is right now. That's the corner they painted themselves into, and now they've got to live in that until they can get to an offseason where they have more options. For me, the, the, there really isn't much of a debate about what needs to be done at this Carlin, point. Carlin, this is the eighth straight loss to the Clippers. Eight straight. Come on. Eight straight. Come on. I mean, it's the Clippers will never be L.A.'s team, but right now they dominate professional basketball in L.A. I would tell them, look, go home. We'll give you all $47 million. You just can't even live in the same state as us right now. <laughs> like, I'll I, 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 I tell you what. Here's the deal of the contract. I'll give you the $47 million. you got to go back and live in Oklahoma City for the year. Well, here's my thing. <laughs> Russ, we know he's not a part of the solution. Just don't make the problem any worse. And with his antics, he's making the problems worse. All he's going to do until he gets what he wants. Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.